Hello, and welcome to A Call for Love. I believe the most powerful gift you can offer yourself is to give and receive love more freely. I'm your host, Linda Orsini, meditation guide and spiritual coach. Everyone has the desire to be seen, heard, respected, and loved. The journey to becoming more connected to your greater purpose lies within the ability to live from the deep source of love within you. Let's begin. Welcome, Christiane. I'm so happy to have you. I'd like everybody to meet Dr. Christiane Orsini, who has felt a deep sense of connection with animals ever since she was a young age and decided to commit her life to helping them by pursuing veterinary medicine. As a small animal veterinarian, she works mainly with dogs and cats and yet is so passionate about all wildlife, having done work with endemic animals in Australia and East Africa. As you can guess from her last name, we are related, and in fact, she is my niece. And I love her professional motto, educate clients, advocate for pets. So Christiane, this is a Call for Love podcast, and it's all about how we can be a source of love for ourselves and others. And I really feel that people truly began to value and seek the animal love during COVID. How do you feel this is turning out? That's a great question, Linda, and thanks again for having me on this wonderful podcast. Um, It's a pleasure to be here, honestly, and to chat about what animals can do to help support people, uh, especially with with the recent pandemic that everyone suffered from, whether mental illness or physical ailments, isolation loneliness. There's so many aspects in which it, which pets were paramount in helping people through the pandemic and heal from it as well. Uh, so we do know that there's lots of uh, increase in pet ownership during this time, uh, puppy and kitten pandemic pets, we call them. And it's been absolutely wonderful to see the connections that people have had with their pets There's been a lot of new pet owners during this time as well, and so people have discovered what pets can do for them. We do know that research has shown that pets decrease blood pressure, decrease triglyceride level, they decrease heart rate, and help people recover from periods of depression and PTSD as well. And even the purr of a cat is so powerful in just calming people's blood pressure. So it's really neat to what pets can do. Yeah, they have such an unconditional love. Absolutely. it's. I don't know any other person that when I walk in the door will greet me with this like giant hug and run from the other side of the room just to see me again. It's just the love that they have is so constant, so pure and so unconditional. I love this joke that if you were to lock your partner in the garage or a cage and come home, would they be as happy to see you as your pet? It's very true. They would be quite the opposite, I would think. (laughs) Yeah. I think pets are so powerful in the way that they love us. Like they don't judge us. They love us purely. They love us, you know, without makeup. They love us right when we wake up. They love us when we're grumpy, when we're tired. They're always willing to give us a lick on the hand or a cuddle with us, very non-judgmental. And it's something that humans, even the most beautiful of people can't offer because humans are always struggling with trying to take care of themselves and others and pets just receive love and give love very, very genuinely. 
Yeah, the love of an animal, if you haven't had that experience, it's a very powerful experience. So we know that animals love us, but how can we take care of our animals? That's an awesome question, Linda. As a small animal veterinarian, I've always been passionate about guiding pet parents into how they can uh, love their pets better. And we do know there's lots of ways, obviously, wellness care visits at your vet clinic with your family vet. Um, make sure that they're well nourished with proper food, get appropriate exercise and just environmental enrichment. So most cats live indoors and we want to make sure they have enough toys, scratch pads and uh, other uh, engagements like windows and just other playful toys. But I think the most important part is actually spending the time with your pet and bonding with them. So we do know that pets are are kind of eternal toddlers and they're always energetic and they're always ready to play and they're just energizer batteries. So we do know that taking the time away from your phone, away from your computer, away from your tablet and just being with them one-on-one goes a really long way. It helps them maintain more behavioral wellness and it also helps them from prevent it prevents them from causing a lot of damage in your house whether destructive behaviors anxiety related illnesses etc so that's definitely we could help love them more because you know even though they are a little bit of work let's face it they give back so much so we have to expect that you know we're going to take the good with the more responsible actions that are required to take care of our pets and i know we have a little dog and we can't leave him for extended periods of time or else he gets really upset. So yeah. if if pa- if families are really busy and they don't have time for a pet that really requires a lot of attention, because we know that especially dogs require walks and a lot of attention, what animals would you suggest that families could get? That's a great question. There's lots of small mammals and pocket pets, we call them. Ones that we don't necessarily have to take on long hikes and walks, like for dogs, and ones that can be left alone for longer periods of time without feeling um, sort of emotionally deconnected. Um, and I do know that uh, I recently invested in guinea pigs, and I found that it's been an extraordinary experience. I only grew up with dogs, but um, I have a cat dog and two guinea pigs now, and just just the it just amazes me how these little rodents can be so loving, so sweet so talkative, so playful. So there's, you know, hamsters, gerbils, even pet rats are very social and outgoing. We do know people enjoy reptiles as well and fish. So it just depends on the person's interest, the person's dedication and uh, awareness of what that pet needs, what that species needs and their willingness to take care of it. But there are a lot of options out there. So I would highly recommend uh, encouraging people to look for those a side note for birds, they are wonderful animals, but they do require a lot of attention and they do live very long lives. So it is a very long commitment versus the, the pocket pets. Yeah, that's a good point. The longevity of your pet, you know, how much time you want to invest in longevity of, of having that animal. But I have to tell you that as a teacher, I was a teacher librarian for many years and I thought I would get a pet for our library. And of course, because of allergies, I couldn't get a furry pet. So I decided to get a betta fish. 
and I put it in the fishbowl um, and we had a naming contest and we actually named it Bubbles to be more mindful and um, calm in the library. But you'd think it was a shark. I mean, how much attention that little beta fish got. It was like the kids would come into the library and gravitate to this. So I think for especially young children, animals and pets are pivotal in their life. Like they just love watching them and being with them. Can you suggest any ways that, uh, you know, I think that parents are sometimes leery of getting a pet because they feel all, all the responsibility will be on them. But how can a child rise to the occasion of taking care of their pet? That's a wonderful um, insight, Linda. I do know that for me personally, I was one of the pet growing up and just like everyone else, my parents were like, well, I hope you walk your dog. I hope you feed them. I hope you take care of them. Um, but for the most part, it's just that passion. If that if that child shows like dedicated interest and passion and they actually spend time to bond with their pet, they will innately be drawn to taking care of it. They will be mm. so I feel like there's an innate fascination with nature, with animals uh, for all people, whether they're very young or, or older. And just to have that um, ability to take care of them. So my my three-year-old son is really excited about taking care of the guinea pigs. So he likes to give them their pellets of food, their hay, their fresh lettuce every day, their vitamin C supplement tablets. And to help clean their cage is more of my job. But at least whatever they're able to do at their stage and whatever they're willing to do, just make it exciting for them, just making you know, comment on how they're helping their own pet to grow and to stay healthy, I think is important. Yeah, they just love pets. I know as a school teacher as well, if I wanted to get my students to do creative writing, I would say write about your pet and they would write pages and pages. And, you know, of course, they're not every child had a pet. And I would say, well, if you had a pet, a favorite pet, what would you name it? What would you do? And then they would write and write. So I think it is um, a really huge benefit to the social emotional growth of young children. Absolutely. And I do have experience volunteer volunteering for Guide Dogs of Canada. And mm. we do know that there's so many emotional support pets that help our, our young ones. Uh, there's obviously ones for medical uh, assistance for blindness, for seizure activity, PTSD, etc. But there's so many more just in the daily uh, kids who struggle with autism, etc. It really gets even introverts sort of out of that state of that quiet aloneness and it helps them connect. Some kids are only really able to connect with an animal versus a person because they just feel so overwhelmed connecting with a person. And that's that sort of gateway to um to like a social connection I feel pets really represent that yeah that's really I love this because it's a call to love because when you have a pet especially if you're not articulate or you don't even know the emotions you're going through you don't have to be on the line you don't have to really worry about what you're saying or thinking you can just pat your animal and then just in your heart communicate with them and feel a sense of love and joy yeah i think it's pretty pretty amazing and even somewhat spiritual the connection that we have with our pets and the ability to love them um we obviously have to learn to love ourselves first take care of anything even a pet but once that's established the love is just just grows and grows and grows it's just a beautiful beautiful thing 
Yeah. And, you know, not everyone is a pet person. Like, you know, I often hear people say, oh, I'm a cat person. I'm not a dog person. or I'm a dog person. I'm not a cat person. But I think there's room for all animals. I totally agree. Or even just to be mindful of animals, you know, the birds that are outside when you're on your hikes. There's definitely people that are unable for whatever reason to take care of a pet or don't want that responsibility, but they do appreciate nature for sure. Yeah, actually, I was just walking yesterday and I saw a gentleman with a big um, camera bird watching and bird taking. Wow. I thought, isn't that just so wonderful, right? Just connecting with nature and being outside. And I know I see so many other people walking their pets. I once said to Gord, my husband, uh, he said hi to this lady. And I said, who's the lady? And he says, well, that's Riley's mom. <laughs> so he didn't know the lady's name, but he knew the dog. So I think also, if we don't have a pet and we go walking, we are going to run into animals. Can you give us any advice on how to be more uh, compassionate and kind to those people with animals? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And I know in a clinic setting that we always remember the pets and we forget the pet owners' names all the time. We had to look at the chart to remember. It was quite funny. Um, I do know that whenever I walk my dog, yeah, whether people have pets or not, they're just so drawn to my dog. They pretty much ignore me at first. Um, and then that's, again, that's the initial connection. And then they look at me and like, oh, where'd you get your dog? How old is she? What's her name? That kind of thing. Uh, so just establishing that connection with the pet first, it makes the pet owner kind of feel really honored. They're really proud of their pet. Um, I know that from experience and I know that from a lot of other pet owners as well. So it's just like if you see someone having their toddler on the sidewalk or strolling with their baby, you know, connecting with that, their special sort of source of pride and joy first and then connecting with them goes a long way. And we can definitely just be kind to the animals. If we see that they're very distant and sort of scared, then don't approach them. Obviously ask for permission, especially for younger kids, because a lot of dogs can be unpredictable. Oh, for sure. I know there's some children by our place up north that are a little worried about our dog, even though he's little. And we have to be really respectful. Like we keep him on the leash and uh, that's part of our responsibility of having a dog. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of people who have also been traumatized when they were younger from pets uh, or just scared of pets for whatever reason. And we do have to just acknowledge that and be aware of it. And we have to respect it. If they don't want to pet your dog, don't you know, encourage them to just give them that space and time. And those people are still lovely people and they just, they know their boundaries and that's healthy for them. So we have to be aware of that. Yeah. Because he adds so much life and joy to our home. Can you give it advice? Actually, this was, is something I've always wondered. How's the best way to mourn the loss of an animal? Wow. That's uh Really good point you brought up there, Linda. Uh, I know for myself, I lost two childhood pets. Uh, they lived till 14 years old, two dogs. And it it is a huge grieving process. A lot of people get so connected to their pets and their pets live such a, just a fragment of the, of the timeline of their own life. And it, it really, it, it causes a lot of pain and a lot of grieving. I know a lot of clients who lose pets and they refuse to get another one because they don't want to endure that pain again, um, just because they're, they're very emotionally connected to that pet. So I think it's important to be aware that 
most people these days consider pets as family members. And I, I know I do personally. And uh, again, for people who don't own pets, that's sometimes difficult to understand. But when people have a really strong bond with their pet, that connection is really beautiful. And I know when I lost my first dog, um, my second dog, as I was grieving, my second dog was like licking the tears that fell from my eyes. It was really profound experience. And and then I ended up losing that dog. It was just hard, especially if you lose pets and then you have no pets to go home to. We do know that there are services that are offered free of charge and 24-7 pet loss support hotlines uh, all throughout North America. The Ontario Vet College does offer some assistance as well as the SPCA. Uh, in your region. So make sure you look at the resources online for those. And there are lots of books on pet loss. An important point is to help children through pet loss. Mm -hmm. Definitely don't tell them that the pet ran away or the pet went to sleep because if they ever run away or go to sleep, they might be scared they don't wake up. So Mm -hmm. you have to be very cautious and gentle about the word choices we use. Children deserve to know what happened to their pet and that their pet's not coming back. And they have to have space and time to grieve that, and we have to support them through it. So I think it's very important to not consider like, oh, it's just the pet, just get over it. It's no, Mm -hmm. it's a profound loss in someone's life, and we have to get the support you need for that. And in terms of, oh, should I just substitute with a new pet? That's a delicate scenario. I think you really should grieve your first pet, even if it's for a short time, but really focus on that healing. Um, before you invest in another pet. You know, this this really is very interesting because as a parent of young children, well, my children are old now, but I really felt like it was my duty to help my children move through different experiences. And let's face it, we're going to experience loss. So this is a great learning tool to help our children move through grief and even ourselves, because we are going to lo- lose people who are really profound and mean a lot to us. So that is something that I never really thought about, but I'm going to think more about. Yeah. And, and just to uh, be aware, most people, and for me, especially like I use my pets to comfort myself when I had other losses. Mm. So when you lose that loss of extra comfort and unconditional love, it just strikes a chord that might be even deeper, more painful in a, in a very unique way. So just to be aware of that with your children. But yeah, pet loss is, is something that people don't really consider being important, you know, and uh, they just try to get over it because they think, oh, it's not a human. So I shouldn't feel this affected. I shouldn't feel this way. But just to be very gentle and kind with yourself. And again, that call to love yourself through that grief. And through those emotions and just to let yourself feel them is very important. Yeah, that's a, that's a really beautiful sentiment. I'm really glad we had that conversation. I also want to say that, you know, when we are having a heated discussion in my family, <laughs> our dog literally goes to sit on our, uh, one of our feet. I, what is that? Are they trying to protect us? Uh, that's a good, that's a good point. A lot of pets uh, are trying to protect or trying to diffuse the situation. Oh. For me, pets are like little angels, right? And they just, they just stare at you and they, it's like they're that little angel on your shoulder judging you or like trying to guide you. I know that when I, I used to wrestle with my siblings when I was very young, my dog accidentally was like 
kind of playfully attacking the one that was being attacked like playfully so that one didn't work out so well but in most of the time they are protecting you and again it's just sort of being mindful I mean even noticing your dog at your foot is you being mindful of the situation and pets are so intuitive they're so um, aware of people's emotions and they're kind of like sponges so they are deeply affected by people's emotions in the in the household it's so true. I think they have such an intuitive emotional sense because I play crystal singing bowls. And I just going to tell you this really sweet story. I had this, I was in a magazine and the journalist came over to interview me. So I had him lie down in front of the crystal singing bowls and I placed a little pillow under his head and I played the bowls because they're very soothing, you know, the crystal singing bowls. And my dog lied down beside him. And then he looked at him and he ran upstairs and he came down with his squeaky toy. And I was like, oh my goodness, I hope he doesn't squeak this toy while I'm playing this crystal singing sound bath. And he put the the little toy right beside Chris, the journalist, and put his head on it to mimic the the gentleman who was listening. And I was like, and they both lied there and listened to the crystal singing bowls. Oh, that's a gorgeous story. Thanks for sharing. That's so touching. It really is. And when you were speaking about that, I was uh, thinking of pet owners that I've talked to, you know, over the last nine years. And they were just saying, you know, when my one pet is sick, my other pets act differently around that one. Mm. So sometimes they either get really, really affectionate with the ill pet or really, really distant. And it depends on the pet's behavior, which one they're going to choose. But there's a definite indication, you know, that something's wrong. So, yeah, again, the intuition of pets is, is quite a wonderful thing. I guess we can learn so much from animals. Absolutely. I know I do day in, day out with my own pets and obviously all of my patients as well. Yeah, they're very, they just add so much to our lives. Yeah, it's very exciting and stressful and exhilarating (laughs) and adventurous. It's just, it's it's a full basket for sure. But I definitely call them my little bundles of joy. Oh, that's so sweet. So if you do have a pet, or if you're thinking of getting a pet, but you think it's a lot of responsibility, and even taking physical care of your pet in terms of doctor visits and health care, what can you advise to pet owners? Yeah, so um, pet insurance is available for everyone. Um, There's different sort of monthly price ranges. So just talk to uh, the different sources of pet insurance companies that are out there. There's numerous ones, uh, so I won't get into that now, but you can just Google that, whatever works for you and your family situation. Uh, we, I, I use the analogy of, you know, I have a car and I have car insurance, right? So mm-hmm. why would I not have pet insurance if I have a pet and my pet is a living being and my car is not, right? So I think it's even more important... <laughs> dog I think it's even more important to have pet insurance because of that we don't have OHIP coverage right so we do fall into those scenarios where a pet suddenly gets injured or suddenly gets ill uh, from unexpected causes and if we don't have money saved up for that source then we're going to be in a really distressed situation with a very sick pet and that can be really really uh, detrimental for the human animal bond because there's so many people that 
want to help their pets and they really can't financially. And it's the most difficult part of veterinary medicine. And um, if we could do anything to mitigate that, I would encourage that. So pet insurance is, is definitely a good thing. Or if you're not interested in that, then try to save monthly in, in a different bank account that you have. Just try to reserve in case there is a, a urgent need for sure. As a telemedicine vet, I do have that wonderful opportunity to help people with their pets at home. There's a lot of people in remote areas don't have access to transportation, are new mothers or very elderly or very injured or ill or recovering from surgery themselves, and they can't get out to a vet clinic. Um, other pets are very large, like large dogs with really bad arthritis, can't move, and if they, people can't get them in the car because they don't have help. There's just numerous situations where even cats are very fractious and frightful of vet visits. Numerous occasions where people can't get to a pet readily or in a timely manner. And telemedicine definitely fills that gap and bridges that um, pet care from at home until they can get to the vet clinic. We still encourage pet parents to get their pet to the vet. Uh, we do know there are limitations for veterinary telemedicine. Or I do guide owners for a hands-on exam for the pets, so I walk them through what I want to look for. But again, I can't use my expertise to actually do the physical exam. Uh, so there's a lot of things that can be missed. But overall, we can find um, really good indications of what might be going on and how we can help them. I do have the privilege to um, also offer prescription medication for pets who need it, uh, basically immediately, which is awesome whether through their family vet or through the local human pharmacy. And um, so what we can do is get pets the care they need immediately, whether pain medicine or antibiotics, and then sort of guide the pet parents on how to care for their pet until they can uh, access a vet clinic. Because of the pandemic, there is a huge overflow of patients and really long wait lists, especially in Northern Ontario and other parts of the world, of course. It's very, it's ubiquitous in the vet, vet community right now because um, people did get a lot of pets for comfort during COVID. So there are a lot of pets in need and to be able to help them until they can get that in-person care is very much a privilege uh, that I have. And I'm very grateful to be able to assist pet parents and also even as important is to assist the vet community. There's a lot of vet clinics are closing down from compassion fatigue, burnout, mm -hmm. even increased rates of suicide So, uh, or people retiring. So it's very important to support the people that are taking care of your pets. Yeah, I know up north, I can't even get a, a veterinarian doctor up north. There are none available or not taking any more patients. Yeah, again, the long wait lists are because the vets are just very, very in in small amounts these days. And it's not that we're we're not working hard. We're working the hardest we've ever worked. We're all overworked. We're all fatigued. Um, and we all feel so guilty because of long wait lists. And we all want to do more to help. And usually that that comes as a huge sacrifice because usually we sacrifice vacations, weekends, nights to help these pets. So just be aware that the vet community is doing everything we can to make sure all of our pets are cared for. But that's where telemedicine has been a huge uh, relief for the entire vet community the past few years because 
we know that, you know, we are only one individual and we can't see all the pets. And when people move, which is very common, a lot of people have been moving to the northern areas um, due to finances, et cetera. And then now there's the same amount of vets in that area and more people and more pets. So we do have a bottleneck effect there. Yeah. I just think that this is a really important conversation because when I think of a call for love, we always think of self-love and we always think of loving other people, but we really want to consider the love of nature, the love of our animals, the love of all living things. And so this opens up a new awareness and maybe a new invitation to look at animals with a kind of respect. Absolutely. I think that's a beautiful sentiment. Honestly, I, I know that I've received so much love and care from my own pets throughout my life. And I I even connect even on a virtual video call with my patients. You know, I do a whistle for the dogs and they like tilt their head and get so excited. And it's just it's so cool how I can have such a fantastic experience just from through the computer because pets are that powerful. They're that wonderful to me, for sure. Well, all your pet clients are very lucky to have you. And we were very lucky to have you share with us all your expertise on pet health care, pet, the benefits of pets, and just your love of animals. It really shines through, Christiane. Oh, thank you, Linda. I definitely got into this profession for my passion for animals. And I decided when I was eight years old that I want to be a vet and I'm very grateful that I chose this road. Oh, well, great. I'm so happy you joined us, really, from our heart to yours. Namaste. Thank you for being present here and sharing all your love of animals. Well, thank you so much. And continue to spread the love and the light that you are. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Christiane. Thank you for listening. It would mean so much to me if you could share this episode with someone you feel could benefit from its message and subscribe to a Call for Love podcast to receive new weekly episodes every Tuesday. Head over to globalwellnesseducation.com to learn more.